1: But also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love You can find the link to our playlists in the show notes Welcome to episode 81, I'm your host Simon Fink Our guest today is EG The Danish indie pop star has released two brilliant singles this year And today released the third, Killing It In today's episode, we're talking with Emma from EG About her songwriting techniques, insecurities And the difference between a major and indie label Here we go today is a Danish indie singer-songwriter. Her sound blends beautiful folk, Americana and Nordic pop together, which has seen some people dub her the Princess of Nordicana. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Emma from EG. Hello, how are you?
2: I'm good, thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you um, for coming on. Thank you for your time. Uh, Where are you joining us from today?
2: I'm sitting in Copenhagen and it's, uh, I got a late morning start. So yeah, I just had breakfast and I'm sitting here in sunny Copenhagen.
0: Beautiful.
1: How, um, I, I don't like that it, you know, always starts off with COVID, but I'm very curious in relation to how Copenhagen has been going with the pandemic in terms of, um, I know just before we started recording, we were talking about live shows. How has it been over there?
2: It's been um, pretty much closed down, and there's been like a lot of like political discussions about it. People have been really angry because they started uh, opening up stadiums with um, football uh, fans way before uh, doing live concerts again. And when they started do opening up everything again, we still had to do concerts with um, a seated audience, but the stadiums could just have like. Tens, tens of thousands of people so there's definitely been some cultural covid problems over here and actually the cultural minister uh she just quit her job so i guess she was pretty stressed out about it too
1: oh, no. <laughs> yeah yeah that oddly sounds like um that almost sounds like you're describing australia because that's the same with us here it's um you've got 14 15000 people at the football but then maybe 40 people having to sit inside for like a, a gig yeah. which just doesn't make sense to me but
2: it's so insane and it, and and they said too that uh, at, at at the seated concert you are not to you are not allowed to dance or sing. <laughs> so uh, so I'm, and I'm just like at football stadiums everyone is just yelling at their teams like it feels like a bigger spread of COVID would happen there so
1: exactly Exa- oh.
2: yeah.
1: I'm a- you've just skyrocketed to one of my favorite guests already. Just from that, that's, I feel like we're very simpatico <laughs> at the moment.
2: Um, yeah. The same <laughs>
1: <mind>. <laughs> um, COVID aside, congratulations. It has been a very exciting year for you, for EG.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Releasing Two brilliant singles and and a third today, I believe. Um, yeah, Thank it must you. be a yeah. very exciting time for you.
2: It's very exciting and it's, it's It's been insane because this has also been like the worst year for a lot of people and it's been the best year in a decade for me. So um, everything that's happened has been very unexpected and, and I feel so lucky. And yeah, I've just taken the time to, to write songs in a bubble and like compared to a lot of my uh, colleagues, musicians back here, I haven't had any shows canceled anything because I wasn't out with any songs. So I could just enjoy the the, the calm quietness of no festivals and no FOMO or anything going on musically, <laughs> which is very selfish. But like, yeah, it was definitely very easy for me to just stay in the studio cave and finish songs because no nothing else was going on. Everyone was bored, <laughs> so it's
1: very yeah. fair, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I had read a quote from yourself that uh, you make music for the introvert who is constantly pushed into the uncomfortable extrovert way of how the world works. Mm-hmm. Do you would you say that you are more of an introvert when it comes to um, when I guess, but even when it comes to writing,
2: yeah. I would say so. It, t- it took me a long time to acknowledge myself as a singer. I started out playing guitar, but I really wanted to sing, but I was too shy and I was always looking at the girls in my class. I were just like courageous enough to go up there and sing an Avril Lavigne song. And I would be like, I'll just play the guitar silently in the background. And then the, the instrument kind of moved up and I started playing saxophone, um, and I still wanted to sing, but I was again felt more comfortable being in the background in a in a band, and yeah. So it, it I actually like got out of the closet as a singer very late. Um, it uh, it was definitely something that I kept to myself for a long time, and which is also why it's, it's it feels so crazy to have gotten this this label deal with Future Classic this year because. It, I, I really have been a waitress for a decade <laughs> and writing songs on the side um, and just kept getting better at singing and writing songs. But um, it, it feels crazy that everything happens as soon as you're kind of start letting go of maybe thinking whether it's going to happen or not. And then it's like there's all of a sudden space for this opportunity to arise when you're not like holding on to it too tightly so yeah I would definitely say I'm an introvert and I remember my my first um, meeting with my manager I had sent her a couple of songs and she really liked them and she had been working with um, like more like major label artists that are more like explosive and pop and more and she asked me what I wanted to do with my songs and (laughs) I said I really wanted to try to do like um, sad, empowered songs. So, you know, I just felt like there was uh, an, a need for songs that are uh, melancholic and introvert, but still have some sort of empowerment. You know, owning your introvertness or your sadness, or so it. So it's you know neither pretentious or overwhelming to be like, I just feel like there's such a strong wave of feminism that can get t- tend to get very aggressive. And I'm definitely more from a more leaned back, uh, melancholic um, wave, I would say.
1: That's very fair. Um, if that just, makes sense. No, it does. <laughs> it does. It does. Is that what um, the <laughs> single All or Nothing is about in terms of um, how it appears to be that there is kind of like either you're an introvert or an extrovert, and there's no gray in between, I guess.
2: Yeah, it's very much about feeling inadequate. And it, 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 but it also felt weird when I finished the song. The world just looked different, and you know, everything with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter had happened. And I was just like, I'm from a part of the world where I'm so privileged that I just feel like. This is an important song, but it's important that I address my privilegedness in the video. <laughs> um, because, you know, everyone has their own problems, but my problem of feeling inadequate as a waitress, but wanting to be a singer or something like that, I wanted something differently in my career, um, just felt so small when I wanted the song out. So it was really important to me to address some sort of humor by exaggerating the the princessy thing in in uh, in the live session i did <laughs> but that but that song was definitely written um in a time where i didn't really know whether i wanted to continue writing songs and wanted to pursue uh being a singer because it definitely is one of the most expensive hobbies until it's uh it's a career or a life (laughs) and it's, uh, and it's, and 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 it's difficult, you know, to be working with yourself as the, as the main source and everything has to come from your brain more or less, unless you want to co-write with a lot of people and kind of, you know, um, hand it out. But, um, I feel like I always had to, to use myself as the main source, I was, I was in a, in a band for a while that got signed to a major label in Copenhagen. And I could really feel how everything was just kind of slipping out of my hands. Um, and that was the, that was the moment where I started questioning whether I wanted to, to pursue music as an artist and as a songwriter, because I was like, am like, is my voice strong enough to, um, be in a situation with a lot of people that wants to pull, you know, pull me in, in all directions. So I really had, um, after that, uh, label deal, we, we, me and my band member, the, the producer, we were just looking at each other. Like, is this really what we want? Can like, can we really see ourselves in this and see a future with this? So it was an important moment because we, we just tried to satisfy a lot of people instead of ourselves. I feel like that's a very class, classic uh, major label thing. Um, so it's it's uh, it's insane to be with um, Future Classic now. And I remember uh, Nathan McClay just heard uh, one or two songs, and he was like, this is amazing, send over every single demo you have (laughs) and I was like okay are you sure I'm gonna send you a lot of ballads too then I just assumed uh, (laughs) that he only wanted hit singles or like and it was such an amazing moment for me to to feel how he, he just really wanted real songs and real music and one of his favorite songs was actually one of the ballads I wrote during the pandemic so it's it was. It just felt like I was seen, and like there was a whole team that was interested in in my songwriting and my voice as, as it as it was, even on a on a on a demo phase uh, version. So that was really amazing.
1: The songs that you have come out with so far I can understand why he might have said send me all the demos you have and send me everything you've got Because so (laughs) far what has come out has just been absolute quality it's a it's a gorgeous um mix of like uh folk or Americana almost there's like little tinges Mm. of maybe like first aid kit but then there's like some pop as well um yeah was that the the sound that you kind of had previously with that other band or was it, this was a different beast altogether?
2: I would say it was, it was always in there, but, um, the producer also had a really strong point of view in terms of, you know, the beats he would make before he went into the studio. And maybe I was, uh, leaned back sometimes to, you know, um, actually write the songs that I wanted to, to, uh, have the project go in a direction with. um, I would say there was definitely like a lot of moments in, in, in in, uh, that band where um, I felt like there was something good going on. And I think it was, definitely those moments that kept me going into this direction of wanting to strip it more down and rediscover myself as a songwriter or just really like center it and really feel like I just felt like if I don't have anything important to say or anything important to come with I might as well start doing something else um, and I really wanted my vision of, uh, about this, the lyrics and the stories and everything to be even more clear and I think um, that the, the, the break with that band was so important because uh, it forced me to to get off the couch and uh, start writing more on my own uh, on piano because I, I know how to write, write on piano and guitar um, but he was so productive that I got lazy <laughs> and that is just such an important lesson as a songwriter and also I felt like I felt so inadequate a lot of the times because he would be like I can work for 14 hours and I would be like I can work for an hour and then I feel like I have something good but I always felt like he was outworking me or like and I felt and after working on my own uh, <laughs> my own time schedule I'm like I can actually get a lot done in a very short time like I can actually get the things I want to say Um, down on paper really fast if I'm just in the zone it doesn't take it doesn't take me 14 hours to to write the right lyric it's it's something diff it's something uh, different and um, so that was important too for me to spend a lot of time in the studio writing songs alone and rebuilding myself as like a songwriter and being like what did I learn from before what do i have now and then i could just feel like i had a lot i still had a lot to say so i was like okay i'm going to keep writing songs until i feel like i'm out of things to say and luckily i just <laughs> <laughs> luckily i just uh kept having more things to say <laughs> um so that's where i'm at now that's, i
1: look there's no complaints
2: thank you and I feel like after yeah. letting go of a bit of control of the songwriting or like how how are people gonna perceive this or like are they gonna get it? Is it gonna be too boring? I kind of set the frame like if you're gonna write twenty ballads, you're gonna write twenty ballads. Don't think so hard about having uh Optembo songs or, you know, melodies that just are hooky from the beginning. I just really gave myself more space to write songs. And I feel like that's why so many of the songs came out so good, because I just entirely removed the pressure and it was so am- amazing to meet Nathan and Future Classic and just have the feeling of, they didn't put any more pressure on me. They. Quite the opposite. They just removed any even more pressure because they just confirmed um, my intuition about what I was doing was right. So that was that was really amazing, and I, I feel great about writing songs now compared to when I started writing the first songs for this project. I was just like, "Can I? Can I still do this? Can I even sing? Do I even have any words in me?" But every, I bet every singer or songwriter, you know, gets to this point at some. point. Yeah, at, at some point, and yeah,
1: I imagine it's almost if you can
2: get out stronger than before. I
1: imagine that it's almost like a um a little bit of an outdated like trope or a cliche. Um, but when you were like the, being under an indie label and having more freedom to be an artist, and then being under a major label and, you know, as you said, trying to write a hook from the second you get in there or whatever. Was that Mm -hmm. your experience without disparaging anyone or anything or any, anything like that? Was that your experience with the major that you found that there was a lot of pressure on you as a songwriter to, you know, like pump out hits essentially?
2: Definitely. And I, I, I don't think it was necessarily, um, well, sometimes, but not always the people at the major label label putting pressure on the songs. It was more like my expectations of being on a major label, too, and looking up to, you know, they had the posters of, you know, the biggest artists of Denmark and internationally from Sony on the, you know. And I could just feel them, you know, this whole expectation of, you know, having a career just breathing down my neck, being like... You have to work a lot. You have to, you know, make songs that are very like extrovert and explosive and inviting. And I feel like I just had to reinvent the whole perception of, you know, my idea of like being a musician then was very limited. It was like, I have to write a hit and then make it to the radio. And then I, hopefully I will have some fans and I can make concerts. Now I'm way more like, I want to write a lot of songs and then hopefully some of them are going to be in movies or, you know, shows or, and then a few of them uh, might make it to the radio. But I feel like I really had to rethink the whole, like, how do musicians actually do it? <laughs> like, And if I don't <laughs> want to be an a very explosive pop musician, I have to uh, rethink the values of, like my songwriting and like how I can use them and how I can write songs without spreading myself thin or feeling like I'm always writing um, songs after the same recipe or like I just had a, a really interesting um, songwriting trip to uh, Faroe Island um, where I wrote songs with this uh, legendary uh, folk indie musician tied to a- and he just said something really beautifully about you know the his way of writing songs. He told me that um, in his twenties he got a really big publishing deal in um, in California or Nashville or something like that. And he just wrote songs for so long. And he actually had his de- he always knew that he was gonna uh, debut as an artist. And his first album was was. Uh, Done when he was twenty-three, but he didn't put it out before he was twenty-six. Because he really wanted to be sure that all the songs on the album was uh, songs that he would love forever. And he he really says that every time he writes a song, he thinks about is this a long-term song or is it a stressed out short-term song? And It was so amazing to be in the studio with him because his first album came out like when I was a teenager, and he just looked me into my eyes and he was like, "It worked." I can honestly tell you that it worked. Um, And that's and the the funny thing is like that's where I'm starting now. I am like, the songs have to have enough meaning for me to to for me to carry them around with me, you know. Yeah. so i'm i'm doing a very what can you say like uh organic uh what's it called like you know um fuck what's the word again <laughs> <laughs> you know i, I yeah basically um, you know how how uh, the global crisis is treating the trying to with the, with the climate, uh, changes and everything, I'm thinking the same about my songs. Like they have to be good for generations, generations. Um, people (laughs) like, okay, I I forgot the word, but anyway, like I, I really talked with my producer about how I always felt like I was chasing, um, the sound of what's, um, in now, like with the generation of sounds, like this is Mm -hmm. what's hot right now with this kind of uh, loop or riff or vibe or... And I was like if we always chase what's hot right now, I feel like we'll always be behind. And it's too stressful to write songs like that, so I just... It was just important to me the same way it was important to to Taito that um, the songwriting and the production felt timeless. So...
1: Yeah, I can 100% agree. I think that, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) if you're chasing something that is a trend or whatever else, it's either that you're likely too behind the trend and and it doesn't kind of like align anymore, or it will be like popular and, and hot in a sense, people can't see me doing the air bunnies on a podcast, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's like, um, it, it, it's only like a flash in the pan. It just kind of goes away after a while. Whereas I think the songs that we have gotten from yourself all or nothing or favorite lovers so far have been um, like classic songs, but with a modern element to them as well. Like there's, mm-hmm. they're not, they don't sound dated. They're like timeless,
2: that's probably yeah. what I was looking for. Thank you. I it was also like after being on after being on the major label, I was like, I'm done writing songs um, where I feel like I'm underestimating people. You know, underestimating people's um, curiosity or like uh, time span, patience for like how long an intro can be or like. Is this verse too long? Is this chorus too long? Do we have too many different parts in the song? Are people gonna get it? Are these words too difficult to understand? Are like are there too many words? Like I I there are just too many things to take into consideration all the time if you wanna please people. And at the end of the day it's also just underestimating people's musicality you know people that don't write songs still want to hear good songs and want to hear interesting stories and and good melodies and there's just really a tendency that music musicians put themselves under the pressure of you know um the music business being like you have to write songs like it's fast food but it still has to taste like slow food, but mm. you just can't, you just can't deliver music like that. <laughs> so, you know, and everyone can no, put out, can upload, everyone can upload a song on Spotify from day to day. So I just feel like it's important to think about what you actually put out there, you know?
1: hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, in terms of output, again, we've had two singles, there's a third coming out today when this episode is released. It might be a bit of an obvious question, but can we expect um, an album at some point from
0: you?
2: Yeah, definitely. I am, I would say I, I, I am definitely an album artist. I definitely want to tell stories that are longer stretched than just a few singles. And, you know, I, I love album tracks, at least as much as you know they they, often i feel like you divide singles and album tracks and to me i feel like all of the album tracks could be singles too (laughs) but it's um it's it's more difficult to put out um ballads uh as singles because you know you're You know, the PR, your manager or whoever works your music, uh, wherever they do it, obviously want uh, songs that are more versatile for the radio. But it feels good to make the decisions about putting out singles that are not necessarily super radio friendly, because, again, I also hope that the people that are into my songs are going to be curious about the whole album and, you know, um, there are just fragments of all of the songs and all of the songs, obviously, because it's a whole mood and a whole story about, you know, what I've been doing for the past couple of years. And I think that's interesting when you're an artist and you don't have too many co-writers um, doing your songs. And then it's, then it's it's a good opportunity to make uh, an album where you can actually tell uh almost like on a timeline what happened in your life for the past couple of years so i definitely hope that if i put out an album let's say within the next year that people are going to dig into it and consume it like it's a michelin uh (laughs) restaurant um (laughs) 14 course dinner instead of just you know listening to the first single and being like this is a hit and then just consuming it like it's a I love McDonald's. No hate. Uh, like it's a, like it's a cheeseburger when there's an actual (laughs) 14 course dinner coming up. Um, so that's my only plea. Like I hope people are curious and patient enough to listen to, um, a whole stretch of, you know, songs instead of just the, the hit lists and and the radio songs.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, not to steal your analogy from you but these songs have been slow cooked properly not fast produced not fast put out (laughs) and they will uh it's weird to say the food will stand the test of time but it's a mixed analogy at that point but that's all right you know what i mean
2: (laughs) yeah exactly
1: yeah uh, Emma uh, lastly we would usually ask our guests um, what they're currently listening to if there's any albums or any singles uh, by other artists that you currently got on high rotation
2: I just had like um, I'm such a slow listener so <laughs> like I'm a slow songwriter and I'm a slow li- uh, listener so there's still so much music I haven't discovered and I love when my label's like can you just tell us what are the newest uh, artists that you're listening to? And I'm like, uh, I know it's been three months, but I actually haven't discovered anyone since. So I, I feel like my, <laughs> my latest biggest obsession has been uh, hearing the Jessica Pratt album. Uh, I don't remember what the name of it is. I've been hearing that so much. Like she just hit the mood of my songwriting, like the the mood I wanted to, to it's, it's also like I've been a lot in the studio for the past year. So listening to songs outside of the studio cave is really, it takes a lot of energy to, you know, to write songs and hear music in your ears all the goddamn time. <laughs> so when I'm off, I kind of just <laughs> want to listen to something very soothing and calm. And the Jessica Pratt mood has just, it just hit the spot. And I just recently discovered uh, my guitar player was like, "Have you ever thought about like some of your songs are kind of like to be a uh, jazz song? And I was like, "Who's that?" <laughs> so I just heard his album too, and I was like, "Damn, he's my new male Jessica Pratt." Thank you, I needed this. So I finally had uh, one I could replace with Jessica Pratt, and it's, I feel like it's basically just male Jessica Pratt. <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's
1: nothing wrong with that. That Jessica Pratt album no. is gorgeous and if you can find something yeah. that is uh, like a compliment to that then then that's fantastic.
2: Right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Emma um thank you very much for being on the podcast today and congratulations again on the singles. Thank you. I've uh, uh, come you so out much. And we look forward to the album. Yay. And that's our show. A massive thank you to Emma for her time. Killing It is out now, and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream more music from EG. We also want to give a huge shout-out to Katie at Future Classic for helping out with today's interview. You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning, with guest playlist streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers.